I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Jesus, in this charge to his disciples, packs a lot of animals into a single compound sentence. (laughs) What can we make of it? What might it tell us about wisdom? And is it at all relevant to us here in this place and time? First, a little about the text itself. That piece of the verse Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves is colored pink in the volume of Gospels put together by the Jesus Seminar. Pink, you ask, what does that mean? Some of you may be familiar with the red letter editions of the Christian scriptures or the New Testament. In those editions, everything that was said to be uttered by Jesus was colored red so that flipping through, it would be easy to find the words that Jesus actually spoke. The members of the Jesus Seminar in Search of the Historical Jesus recognized that the scholarly consensus over decades, even centuries, was that the words attributed to Jesus most likely did not all come from the person of Jesus, and that some phrases were less likely to have originated with Jesus than others. So they put together a book entitled The Five Gospels that brought diverse scholarly viewpoints together to read through the red-letter words, all the words attributed to Jesus in the four Gospels that are included in the Christian scriptures, which is commonly known as the New Testament, along with the Gospel of Thomas, which is purported to be the words of Jesus in its entirety because it's basically a collection of sayings. To read through all of these and to cast their individual votes on these matters, which would then be tabulated along with others to come up with a composite score. They retained the color red and added a few other colors to come up with the following rating system. Red, the words attributed to Jesus are likely authentic. Pink, somewhat likely. Gray, somewhat unlikely. Black, unlikely. In the introduction, Robert W. Funk, the convener of the Jesus Seminar, says one member offered this unofficial but helpful interpretation of the colors. Red, that's Jesus. Pink, sure sounds like Jesus. Gray, well, maybe. Black, there's been some mistake. (laughs) So be wise as serpents and harmless as doves came adorned in pink, meaning, according to these scholars, somewhat likely or sure sounds like Jesus. While the opening words of the sentence, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves, achieved only a disappointing gray and fell into the somewhat unlikely or, well, maybe category. (laughs) Why am I telling you this? (laughs) Outside of the fact that I am something of a biblical nerd and find these studies endlessly fascinating. 
in reading my sermons aloud to my wife, Hanji, to invite her feedback, as I always do. This is where she artfully responds with a subtle yet pointed emphasis. I know that's interesting to you. So why am I telling you this? Only to say that for some of the phrases that fall into the gray, well, maybe category, it is not so much because the scholars concluded that Jesus didn't say them as that it would be hard for them to make a case that he did. You see the difference? In this case, the whole idea of sheep among wolves appears in several places outside the Gospels, in the Hebrew and Christian scriptures and beyond. It is a familiar phrase that the authors of the Gospels could well have borrowed as they sought to capture the flavor of Jesus' teachings and to make them relevant to their own place and time. As, remember, the Gospels are not believed to have been written until long after Jesus died. Now, Jesus himself may well have reached for the familiar image every now and then, but the words that these scholars can more confidently attribute to him are not the generally familiar phrases or images, but the unique and often puzzling sayings, the striking and often troubling parables, those things that, again, according to these scholars, do not seem to be pointed toward the later context of the authors, but rather overturn expectations and appear to have been carried within communal memories reaching back to the actual person of the historical Jesus. The passages that often raise more questions than they answer. The sayings and teachings that at least appear to have been included for the sole reason that Jesus may have actually said them. Sheep among wolves? Well, maybe. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves? Sounds like Jesus. Sounds like something Jesus may have said. Sounds like something unique enough to have been remembered. It is included in the Gospel of Thomas, too. Striking enough to have been carried in the communal memory, even though the exact meaning may have remained something of a mystery. So I'm not trying to convince you that Jesus said this or not. I'm not saying that attributing it to Jesus would necessarily make it more valuable to reflect upon or not. I am saying that part of what calls me to explore it is this unique and head-scratching quality that the Jesus Seminar scholars may also have taken into consideration when they decided its color. Let's call it puzzling in pink. There are many different translations of the passage in Matthew and in Thomas, and I also don't presume to know which translation is most authentic, so I will stick with the New Revised Standard, which Gina read from, and turn now from the scholars to some personal explorations of what wisdom may be gathered from this passage and what it may say about wisdom itself. You heard the wider context of the passage, and it seems to be conflict. To be a sheep amidst wolves is generally considered to be placed in a vulnerable position. 
though the cover of your order of service provides an interesting counterpoint with an apparently peaceful wolf amidst sheep. Even though the disciples will purportedly be curing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, casting out demons, Jesus predicts they will be arrested, flogged, and dragged before public officials. He paints a frightening picture of conflict, brother betraying brother, parents against children, hatred for those who are simply bringing the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near. What does it mean in this context to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves? And initially, I found myself deferring to stereotypes of the serpent being somehow devious and even evil. Why? Well, it probably goes back to the story of the Garden of Eden. More precisely, it goes back to the way in which I was taught the story of the Garden of Eden. The serpent who speaks to Eve is said to be more crafty than any other wild animal in Genesis. Crafty, according to the dictionary, means clever at achieving one's aims by indirect or deceitful methods. That distinction Seems important to me. Achieving aims through indirect means is not necessarily a bad thing, and crafty is not necessarily deceitful. But that is the lens through which I was taught the story. When I studied this section of Genesis in seminary, I was stunned to learn that the serpent was the only character in the story who consistently told the truth. And that includes God. And though Eve tells God the serpent tricked her, that really seems like someone trying to avoid taking responsibility for her own decision. It was the original, the devil made me do it. I can't see where any trickery was involved. But there's a homework assignment for the willing. Read the story in Genesis and see if the serpent ever tells a lie. All of this to say that I simply had to empty my head of my unwarranted bias against snakes in order to be open to their wisdom and ask myself, what do I think of when I simply think of snakes? I once had a boa constrictor for a short time. And between this and the few snakes I have seen in the wild and the few I have seen at zoos and the ones I have seen on TV, I, with my very unscientific and uneducated viewpoint, am struck by the ways in which they can move across nearly any surface and adapt themselves to the terrain they encounter, all without appearing, to my admittedly limited perspective, all without appearing to exert much energy. Could I call this wisdom? I don't know exactly. I might call it wisdom in action. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and to keep moving nonetheless. To move in and around and over and under and just keep going. So yes, I will attempt to be wise as a serpent. 
But once I had let go of my unexamined prejudices against serpents, I had to acknowledge to my embarrassment my immediate, unthinking, subconscious interpretation of harmless as weak and ineffective. Really? Me, the minister, the peacenik, give peace a chance, sure, but when you're being arrested and brutalized and charged with crimes for just trying to do something good? And then I thought about it. (laughs) Harmless. Doing no harm. Not inflicting harm. Not causing harm. Not spreading harm. It may come natural for doves, but not so much for humans. It takes wisdom to not cause harm, to avoid unmindfully spreading the harm we may have suffered. To be harmless is not weak. It takes strength and discipline and courage. I am not avoiding responsibility for nurturing my own mindfulness, but I do think it says something about the distorted ways in which violence is tied up with power in this society. To make that immediate leap from harmless to weak is to equate harmful with strength. It is sown into our culture. Twisted. And then I thought of nonviolent resistance movements in this country and around the world And this saying, wise as serpents, harmless as doves, came alive for me. The first principle of nonviolence. Nonviolence is a way of life for courageous people. It is active nonviolent resistance to evil. It is aggressive spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. Principle three, nonviolence seeks to defeat injustice, not people. Nonviolence recognizes that evildoers are also victims and are not evil people. The nonviolent resistor seeks to defeat evil, not people. These are practices that employ a particular strategy. One might even call it a crafty Strategy as the practitioners seek to achieve aims through what is considered by the dominant culture indirect means. And you may be questioning the efficacy of this particular strategy. Yes, it all sounds nice, but does it work? In 2014, there was a study conducted, reported in Foreign Affairs and Forbes magazines, hardly left-wing rags, examining 323 different movements from 1900 to 2006 involving both violent and nonviolent movements that each involved more than a 1,000 participants for the purpose of self-determination, the removal of an incumbent leader, or the expulsion of a foreign military occupation. Their conclusion was that nonviolent movements were twice as likely to succeed as violent movements, and that nonviolent movements often significantly increased the chances 
of a more peaceful and democratic government emerging in the aftermath. The authors wrote, contrary to conventional wisdom, no social, economic, or political structures have systematically prevented nonviolent campaigns from emerging or succeeding. From strikes and protests to sit-ins and boycotts, civil resistance remains the best strategy for social and political change in the face of oppression. That seems like good information to have in this current climate of dissension and oppression and discrimination and hatred. This feels like it might speak to this current state of unrest when people most everywhere are feeling vulnerable, suffering harm, and all too often acting from fear, causing further harm. Nonviolent movements are, according to these authors, more likely than armed struggle to attract a larger and more diverse base of participants and impose unsustainable costs on a regime. They enjoy mass participation, they produce regime defections, and they employ flexible tactics. When nonviolent movements failed, they noted it was because they lacked organization and good tactical thinking. Be wise as serpents. Be crafty. Use indirect, unconventional means. Contrary to conventional wisdom, employ love, which is not generally recognized as a power but as a feeling. Believe in love even when you don't feel it. Employ the power of love in pursuit of your aims. Be harmless as doves. Know that nonviolence is a way of life for courageous people. It means that we must know ourselves deeply and be willing to engage a discipline that puts a check on our instinctive responses to our own vulnerability. So whether I color this phrase red or pink or gray or black, it suddenly strikes me that thanks to those courageous people throughout time who have lived it out, it holds wisdom for me as I, together with you all, respond to the challenges of our present time while holding on to our highest aspirations. Therefore, I can offer no better advice in this moment than to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. <laughs>